love that song. Father, be with us today, Lord. Lighten that load. Bring that light into darkness. Show us your holiness. Be here with us. Give us the things we need to do, Father, because you have a plan for us. Help us to be hungry for you, Lord, in this season, Lord, every season, every day, every moment. Help us to keep you in the forefront of our mind and our hearts as we live out this light here, Father. I'm praying and thinking about Paul writing to the Philippians that we live in a crooked and perverse generation. There's no doubt about that. But you're calling us to shine like bright stars in the universe. You're calling us to hold fast to your word. You're calling us to fellowship with one another and do ministry with one another and gather together as we do everything that we can to grow closer to you, Lord. That's what we want to do, Father, so we can go out and bring that light that you put in our heart, bring that holiness that you put in our heart, and be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have. Father, and we give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. A lot of people will probably be here December 24th, and I get excited about that because the more people here, the more excited I get. Uh, be a lot of people visiting in town. People will be coming here, and we pray that people come here that really don't have a relationship with God because we want to do everything we can to show them the grace and mercy and love that God has for each one of us. That's why he sent his son here. That's why we celebrate Christmas because it's his birth. He was the breath from heaven. He is the one that came down here to make a way for us to get to the Father. The Bible says uh, the only way we can get to the Father is through Jesus. Now today we're talking about Mary. As you see on the front of your listening God, I love the picture. I love Google pictures, images, whatever you call it. Elizabeth taught me about that, but uh, Magnificat is the name of the subtitle in my Bible for these verses. Magnificat means glorifies. That's what that word means. If you look in, if you quickly look through the first two chapters of Luke, there's really four hymns or four songs that are involved in those two chapters. And this one is called the Magnificat. This song is, when, you, when we read through it, it's like a psalm. It, it, it's like... Uh, it should be compared with the song of Hannah. If you ever read about Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 2, how she sang a song to the Lord. And Mary does that here. And I believe this song today that we'll, we'll look at reveals the heart and mind of Mary and that she was saturated with the word of God. And I got a bunch of questions for you because lately I feel like the Lord wants me to challenge you or question you because I want to ask you when it comes to filling your heart and mind with the word, how are you doing? How are you doing with that? Because we're Christians, we know this Bible is our God, it's everything we need to live this life and to live the life he wants us to live. How are you doing with the word, man? This past year, you know, we're coming into a new year. Maybe you want to make a commitment to read through the Bible. It, it, it'll mess you up. It'll change your life. Uh, I made a, a commitment to the Lord a long time ago to read through the Bible every year, and I've been doing it. And uh, it, it's just so important. A, a verse that you can think about that to live your life about is the word is a lamp unto my feet and the light unto my path. So every time you open it, he's giving you 
uh, a prescription of how to walk, how to live, how to love, how to be a better spouse, how to be a better parent, all those things there, how to do better at your job, even how to do better out in the sports field. It tells you everything you need to do in there. So your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And the verses that we want to dig into today is about Mary. It's about her song. It's Luke chapter 1, 46 through 55. And as we go through those verses, I feel like there's a, a number of, maybe I would call it allusions uh, to the law, to the Psalms, to the prophets. The entire passage I put in your listening guide is a point-by-point recalling of the covenant promises of God. A couple years ago, Kathy and I were eating uh, uh, lunch, a cookout at, at these people's house on the other street, and uh, they're pretty strong Catholics. They're Catholics that go to church, you know what I'm saying? And uh, she asked me one day, because they were visiting from Florida, do you ever talk about Mary in your sermons? And I thought for a second, well, probably around Christmas time I usually do. So this message is for her today, praise God. It's beautiful because she was president of the Mary Society of Mary or something like that. But anyway, verse 46, Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. So you, re, you see that Mary in verse 47 there refers God as her Savior, indicating both that I think when I read through this that Mary recognized her own need for a Savior and that she knew that the true God was her Savior. That's important. We all need to know that. When we come to that term in our life, we need to realize, A, we need a Savior because we can't do it on our own. We can't work out our salvation. He calls us to work out our salvation, but he gives us our salvation. And she, Mary, recognized her need for a Savior. We need to come to that point in our life. And I realize that nothing here in these scriptures or anywhere in the Bible talks about Mary being immaculate. And immaculate means free from sin. Mary was just like us. She was a human being. God chose her, yes, to bring Jesus into the world, but she wasn't sinless. She was a human being. And I think, and I put this in your listening, God, I think the language that Mary uses here as we go through the rest of these verses is language that's as typical of someone whose only hope for salvation is his, is in his divine grace. We need to get that. I don't see anything in this passage that would lead support to the notion that Mary herself should be an object of adoration. She's not a god. She is the mother. I mean, our friend said one day, my God, she's the mother of Jesus. We should pray to her. I don't agree with that. Luke 1.48, For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. That's Mary singing that song. Humble estate of a servant. So in verse 48, you see the quality of Mary that shines most clearly through this passage. She has a deep sense of humility. That's huge. Humility is huge for me. Seriously, to me, it's the opposite of pride. Sometimes in my life, I'll be honest with you, I struggle with knowing the difference between confidence and pride because I don't want any pride in my life. I want to be humble. 
I want to be a servant, and I think each one of us has that. And she has a deep sense of humility. She calls herself his servant. How many people, and I'm supposed to ask you that, how many people today would be able to say, I am a servant of the Lord? Tell, raise your hand. How many people today consider themselves a servant of the Lord? Because that's so important, because that's what it means to be a Christian. Praise God. I think Sherry wanted to say something. Praise God. I love it. We want to be a servant of the Lord. Verse 49 and 50. For he who is mighty has done great things. Mary's singing this. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. And when you say fear him, these are the words that come into my mind when I think about fear him. Believe in him. Trust him. Worship him, magnify to him, listen to him, serve him, sacrifice to him. And what are we sacrificing? Our time? What are we sacrificing? Our money? What are we sacrificing? Our talents for him. And Mary gives him the glory here. Why? Because he has done great things for me and holy is his name. So my question for you that I have a challenge is, do you ever think about all the great things God has done for you? Tell them. Tell them. Talk to them. Don't you think we should do that every day? Have you ever thought about the question, well, what's God's will for my life? What is God's will for my life? And I thought about those three verses that Melissa has used in the children's ministry since she's been back there. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. And why would we do that? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why would you do that? Then I got to be honest with you that uh, I didn't rejoice the other day because we got our power bill in the mail here at the church. Praise God. I have some little emphasis on that because when the school left here, we did everything we could to cut back. We miss the school. We love the school. And I feel like Ebenezer walking around here now. Elizabeth, turn that off. Elizabeth, put the heat down to 62. Elizabeth, turn that off. Elizabeth, get some candles. Elizabeth, there's four bulbs in the, in the, in the ceiling. Take two of them out so it change. So our bill last month was $527.17. That's pretty good. Because usually our bill is between, I'd say, 900 and 1100 you know, a couple of teachers, man, they wanted freezing in here. And you know their name, Jamie. You know their name. <laughs> Praise God. So anyway, so we got our bill this week. I go up to the mailbox, get the mail out, and I saw Dominion Power. Oh, my gosh, I can't wait to open it up because I'm going to see if we beat that 527. So I opened up the bill, $911.72. Seriously, I started crying. I texted Elizabeth, these people are ripping us off. This Dominion Power is ripping us off. We've been cutting it back. We need to go down to one bulb, get some candles, get some batteries. Praise God. They're starting to call me Ebenezer. So the next day I called up Dominion Power. And I talked, very nice lady. I told her the whole situation. I said, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. There's really only two of us here during the week. You know, sometimes three. And I said, Wednesday night and Sunday, we have people here. And Wednesday, Sunday, praise God, we have people here. But I got to tell you, $911, our bill was $527. How did that happen? Well, you know, they come out and read your meter. They don't knock on your door and tell you when they're reading. I said, I know that. And she goes, well, you know, maybe check your, uh, have you changed your filters? You know, there might be something leaking. And I said, well, you know, we have coffee leaking around here sometime. But anyway, 
Uh, so I let it go, and then the next day I called him up again. Because I said, I'm going to be honest. And then the guy answered this. I said, I'm going to be honest with you. I told the whole situation. I said, there's no way our bill is going to be $911.72. I said, is there anything you can do for us? Well, I could send somebody else out to read the meter. So I want us to take turns, sign up for an hour. I want everybody, somebody standing back at that meter for the next hour, the next two days, to see when that guy comes and check that meter because something ain't right. $911.72. I said, please. I said, thank you. I was very nice. He was very nice. I was very polite. I said, but it can't be 911. So he's sending somebody out here to check it. Praise God. Huh? Yeah, praise God. Yeah. Who would ever think to pray about it? Thank you, Mary. That's beautiful. But let's go back. Rejoice always, Nick, that you got a building here. Rejoice always, Nick. Did you have great brothers and sisters here? Rejoice always, Nick. Did you got to spend an hour? Lisa McIntyre and I got to spend an hour with eight teenagers today. Incredible. Incredible. Just getting them into the Word, you know, talking about the Word. Getting teenagers to think. I mean, how many parents want their teenagers to think? You know what I mean? To think about the Word and how does it relate to my life? Because this is still relevant. It hasn't changed. It's not going to change till Jesus comes back. But we have to prepare the next generation for that. So we're going to have to do everything we can to get the Word of God into our children and in our teenagers. Sunday, January 5th, I'm asking every parent of a teenager to stay after. For a few moments, I want you to come in our new youth room with the color Battleship Gray. Isn't that a great name for a color for a teenage room? Battleship Gray. Is it the battle? It's a battle. And I can tell you something, teenagers. It's, a, it's harder for you now than it was when I was a teenager. Seriously, we got in trouble for chewing gum. Uh, you know, and one time Bill called over and said, we didn't have gum when I was a little. But anyway, <laughs> praise God. But it's harder for you to be a teenager now. Reese, it's harder for you to be a teenager now. Maddie, it's harder for you. It is without a doubt. There's so much more stuff that can take you captive and take you offline. Now I'm going to tell you, I'm very embarrassed about saying this, but I'm going to lay it out. I laid it out to my wife last night. I said, Kathy, I'm 67 years old. Try not to laugh. I shared this with the teens today. I realized last night for the first time, when you look at the word devil and you take the D away, it's evil. I never saw that before. I never saw that before. And some of you are thinking, wait a second, he's the pastor of the church? I never saw take the D away and it's evil. It's incredible. God is so good. So you can never stop learning, man. Maybe we should have a class for 67-year-olds. Praise God. Where in the world are we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Why? Because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And when, can I tell you something? When you read this song, this Magnificat that Mary sung or wrote, and it, well, really, Luke wrote of it. Mary sung it. But think about it. She was rejoicing. She was giving thanks. She was praying in there. And we all need to do those three things. Why? Because when we rejoice, when we pray, when we give thanks, we're free. It frees us up to love. It frees us up to serve. It frees us up to forgive. It frees us up to give. Those who revere the Lord, or in the case of, I'm using the ESV 
version uses fear instead of revere. But those who revere the Lord, or in the case of this verse, fear him, when you do that, you will live in harmony with the will of God. Check out these verses. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fools despise wisdom and instruction. Think about it. The fear of the Lord, revering in him, trusting in him, loving him, seeking him, serving him, going after him. That's the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Job 28, 28. I always remember this because it's 28, 28. He said to the man, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil, and you put a D in front of it, and turn away from the devil is understanding. Verse 51, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud uh, in the thoughts of their hearts. And when you see that word arm, to me, it's like a a figurative uh, description of God's powerful acts. He's powerful. Someone asked me a couple months ago that their son asked them the question, does God have hands? That's powerful. What a question. You know, out of the mouth of babe, we can learn a lot from our kids. We can learn a lot. Does God have hands? And I thought, that's a great question. And I've been searching the scripture, and then I found it, because I don't think God has a body. But I know he is spirit. Look at John 4, 24. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So maybe that's saying God is a spirit. I don't know. But I can tell you this from 1 John 3, 2 and 3. A promise from God's word for us. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be is not yet appear, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Isn't that beautiful? So we got to figure out as Christians, what does it look like to purify ourselves? Does it when we worship? Does it when we serve? Does it when we give? Does it when we grow? It's so important. Verse 52 and 53, we're getting through this. Mary sings, He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of the humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. How important it is to be hungry for the word of God. How important is that? Because when you're hungry for the word of God, you're hungry for the good thing, you'll be filled. Seriously. There's no doubt about it. The rich he has sent away empty. Why? Because their God was the richest. There's nothing wrong with money. There's nothing wrong with having a lot of money. There's nothing wrong with working hard. It's what you do with it that makes the difference. Everything you have, your body, what you do with it makes a difference. When I see the word hungry, I think of both a physical and spiritual hunger. Matthew 5, 6, the greatest sermon ever spoken was Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they should be satisfied. You want to be satisfied in 2020? Hunger and thirst for righteousness. John 6, 35 says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall not, never thirst. How many people you know are hungry for hope, hungry for peace, hungry for relationships? And all you have to do, man, is come to him. 
and believe in him and he will fulfill those things. When you receive Jesus in your life as Lord and Savior, it's going to bring changes in every area of your life. That's something I put in your listening, God. Your marriage, your job, raising your children, how you give, how you serve, how you love one another, how you worship. Maybe the best way to say it, I put in your listening, God, or the best way to call ourselves our living sacrifice. I want you to look at your neighbor right now and say, we need to be a living sacrifice. Do it, do it, do it on both sides, do it in front of you, do it behind you. We need to be a living sacrifice. And you ask yourself, well, Pastor Nick, what, how does the word tell us to be a living sacrifice? What is it gonna look like in 2020 for us to be a living sacrifice? I can give it to you in two verses. I can always answer you in the scripture. If you ever wanna come and talk to me, if you're going through a trial or tribulation, come in. I don't have a counseling degree, but can I tell you one thing? I know who the wonderful counselor is. And I know when you come in, I can give you those scriptures to give you hope in this crooked and perverse generation. Paul said this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, and I like to add sisters because I love women, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God, which is your spiritual worship. It's beautiful. I love hanging around women because they talk, they share. Guys, you know, we're talking about redskins and Orioles and all that stuff. I want to talk about God. I want to talk about his word. To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, and you're going to spend the rest of your life. If you're a Christian and you want to please God, you're going to spend the rest of your life, hopefully, trying to work that out, trying to figure that out. What does it look like to me for be a living sacrifice? What does it look like to me to be a husband of the wife God has blessed me with to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, boy, do I mess up, which is your spiritual worship. Then number two, here you go. Teenagers, this is for you. This is for the adults. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what his will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Can I tell you something? If I, oh, Nick, if you're going to start hanging around teenagers, what's your number one goal that they will be able to discern what God's will is, that they will be able to discern what right and wrong is, good and evil, light and darkness. Every week we want to pour into your teenagers, 9.30 to 10.30 on Sunday, 6.30 to 8 on Wednesday. We're going to be doing a lot of events because you have to do events. You've got to hang with kids. I love teenagers. Seriously. He has helped us. He has helped his servant Israel Last two verses. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Mary finishes her song or ends it with an assurance that God will be true to the promises to his people. And I thought about it in Genesis. I'm not going to be too much longer. You go back in Genesis when Abraham, he asked him to take Isaac Isaac up and offer him as a burnt offering. Genesis 22 says this, and the Lord said this to us, by myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven, as the sand that is on the seashore and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Because you have obeyed my voice. You want to be blessed? 
Start obeying Jesus' voice. You want to be blessed? Start living out the word of God. God did not, and that's an example for us back in Genesis to tell us on this Christmas season, God did not withhold his son to pay the price for our sins. But he used Mary to bring him into the world. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Do you understand that? Remember the last band come up, ushers come up. Remember the last four verses from last week when Gabriel visited Mary and he said, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you'll call his name Jesus And he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom, there will be no end. So I'll close something with I shared a couple weeks ago when we started this journey to Bethlehem. When we looked at two weeks ago how the prophets, how they foretold the coming of Christ. And then Isaiah gave us Four throne names of Jesus. Come on, up, ushers. He's a wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God. He's an everlasting father. He's a prince of peace. If you want to know that, seriously, we want to pray for you. Father, I give you the glory now for your message, Lord. I thank you for this song, the Magnificat, that Mary sung in talking about her Savior, Jesus, and that was she was her servant. I want us to become servants for you, Lord. I still want to become a better servant for you. I still want to uh, worship you in spirit and truth, Father. Father, bless our offering today, Father. Praise God for that electric bill, Lord. Lord, I want to give you the glory, Father, on this Christmas season. I know sometimes the Christmas season is hard for some. I know sometimes it's hard to be at home at the Christmas season, depending on what's going on there. But, Father, you are the way and the truth and the life, and we need to come to you. So, Father, bless our offering. Bless this church. I love these people. I'd give my life for these people. If someone came in here to take us out, I would stand in front of them, Lord, because I want to protect them as a, as a, uh, to protect a flock, Lord. But I want to be your servant, just like Mary was to you, Father. So bless our time here. Bless this altar time here. We want nothing else but revival on this land. We want nothing else but those to call upon the name of the Jesus. Because if you confess with your mouth Jesus with the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you shall be saved. That's a promise from God's word. In your name I pray, amen.